Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Maria Luis Carra. Cue in the applause. What is up, Fucked Up fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. Let me just get started with... uh. Update. So I'm recording this on Monday, February 20th. It's my day off. It's President's Day, I think. I have, I don't know what fucking holiday it is, but I'm just so grateful I have a day off. I really needed this because I have shit to do. (laughs) And there are not enough hours in the day or in the week to get shit that I have to get done that are non work related shit. So, like, artistic creative endeavors so i'm so fucking grateful for having the day off i've been having such a peaceful like slow paced morning i made myself no wait i didn't make myself breakfast my mom brought breakfast so for those of you that don't know my mom has been living with me remember when my dad used to be my roommate well now my mom's my roommate so she's been living with me because she found a job in San Diego and uh, she goes home for the weekend, but then she comes back Monday morning. So she usually always brings me like some taquitos. Shout out to my mom. She's the coolest. She's the bestest. She is the fucking realist. She's honestly, honestly, my mom is a ride or die. I think I'm pretty sure I've talked about it, but if anyone were to meet hurt me or my siblings, uh, she would murder someone just FYI again again yes I remember I talked about this and I was like this is not a threat this is a warning so yeah she's super dope so she brought me breakfast I cleaned a little while I did my bed uh. <laughs> but I I don't know I just put on like some workout clothes I did a full face of makeup because if I look good I feel good I'm literally sitting down recording this and I have kind of like, um, what are they called? The fuck, what are they called? You know what grandmas used to wear in their head, but they're coming back so because it, it gives volume to your hair. Well, whatever, I found some with like the modern version. So I have them in my hair right now. So I'm just like sitting down in my bralette, in my fucking... Uh, leggings, sports leggings, full face of makeup with that shit in my hair. Just picture it. It's comical. But yeah, I'm, I have a lot of shit to do today. And I'm kind of like, I'm also hoping to cook and make some salsa and work on a deadline that I have coming up for something creative, Uh, record the podcast, maybe get started on some of my notes. I I might have to reread a play um, for my play development. I read it already but i feel like i might have missed a lot during the first reading so i kind of want to go back and reread it i don't know we'll see we'll see i also there's like a buy nothing event tomorrow at work where basically you just bring things that you don't want anymore uh like clothes or like books or like other fucking supplies that you're trying to get rid of and then maybe someone wants them right so they could take them it's kind of like a close exchange um and whatever's left at the end of the day we well not we they scheduled like a fucking goodwill pickup 
So yeah, I need to look through my fucking closet. I need to cook. I have so much shit to do, but I'm not stressed because again, I don't work today. It's slow paced day. I'll take my time. I'll do everything. I also want to work out today, just starting off the week outright. And yes, just FYI, I'm still doing um, Girl with Joe, not as religiously like I've I've mentioned this already, but I like hyper fixate on stuff and I obsess about stuff. So I'm just trying to like listen to my body. Maybe someday I'm too busy and I don't get to do a workout and that's fine. But I like starting off Mondays like by doing like a quick workout or whatever is on the schedule uh, on the weekly workouts with Girl With Joe. Um, I think did I mention that I I think I did mention it. So um I, I like scheduled the Sumba class at work. So that already happened last Tuesday. It was a lot of fun. Shit, Sumba, damn, that was tough. I have two left feet, but I still did it. It was still so much fun. The playlist that was curated for this class was Mwah, Chef's Kiss. I enjoyed it so much. I The turnout wasn't like crazy but there was still like a few good people that went so i'm just excited uh, for the first event that we had at work and then we're already planning our uh second event or like third because the buy nothing event also counts our third event for march and it's women's history month so we'll see we'll find something fun to do but moving on to what i did this weekend so on friday kelly hi kelly if you're listening hi send me a text that you heard uh your name (laughs) kelly invited me to like this music event uh with this like afro beats dj um at spin i think that's the name spin i've never gone before but this is like this is kind of like a usual place for kelly and her friends i'm not sure but it was so much fun we pre-gamed at one of her friends house and then we went like i don't really vibe with like electronic music but they were playing like some before uh he went on there was like other djs there was some musica en espanol i was vibing i'm Okay, so I'm the type of friend that you could take me anywhere with any fucking group of friend and I'll, and I'll adjust and I'll have a good time and I'll be a good fucking time. Everyone loves me. Like, I'm so sorry that just everyone fucking lo- loves me. I can't do anything about it. I'm a likable person. And if someone doesn't like me, that's a red fucking flag. I've said it once. I've said it twice. And I'll repeat it a thousand other times. If someone doesn't like me that's a red flag because i'm such a likable person and i adapt i'm literally a chameleon like literally i am so multi-dimensional and i talked about that in the poem that i wrote for the just a girl exhibit uh it's coming up so i'm so excited maybe after like the art show i'll share the poem here because why not because i could do whatever the fuck i want it's my podcast i mean if you'll want to hear it of course or you could just skip like a minute ahead if you don't want to hear me recite my poem whatever so we went to spin got home like at three (laughs) or it was a it was a chill i didn't get drunk uh was i under the influence yes but and then on saturday i stayed home most of the day and then at night, like around six-ish, so not night, like six-ish, we met up at my friend Mabel's house because, so we decided to start like a like a book club, but for plays so or like a play club. <laughs> 
so that's what I did on my Saturday night. I got together with my friends uh, that are all like theater or like playwriting affiliated. And we met up at Mabel's house. We had some wine. There was cafecito. There was conchas. There was like a cheese platter. There was uh, candy. There was chips and guac. Amazing. Mwah. I love it. And then we just discussed the play called Our Dear Dead Drug Lord. Um, it was, like I said, it was an entertaining read. Did I like it? Did I love it? Did I hate it or did I love it? I'm right in between. I... It was all right. It was all right. I thought, I don't know. I had my thoughts about it. If you haven't read it, I recommend it because it's like weird and out of like, it was not what I expected at all. So, <laughs> so we just discussed that. We talked about theater. We were there till like 10 ish and then I came home. And I also, Saturday, oh, that's what I did on Saturday like for a little bit. Um, I finished writing my first draft of the play that we're going to have for a Mariposa show. I, I already talked about that. That's going to be around April. Um, so I finished the first draft. I think I'm going to write something else today too, because not everyone is writing a piece for it um, because, you know, people are busy or whatever. So I might write a second thing for this. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe a poem, maybe a monologue. I don't know. Maybe I could do the monologue. Yeah, that would be fun. Maybe I could tie my two pieces together. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it the fuck out. Um, and then what else? So last week on Tuesday as well, it was Valentine's Day. And I also got feedback on my play, Tamales de Piña. So I think that the feedback was helpful. Um, yeah, and I got also like really like people really liked it. So I'm just like, okay, someone said that my play felt like a hug. And oh my goodness, that, I, that got me in my fucking feels. If you already um if you went to the reading for tamales de piña let me know if it felt like a hug <laughs> so i'm probably gonna start writing or like working on that second draft soon so we'll see how that goes i'm trying to add a little like sprinkle in a little bit more conflict into my play because one of like the things that i could uh, work on is making sure that you know like i don't have to tie up all of my conflict you know at the end i don't have to wrap it in like this beautiful as like this and presented as this beautiful gift where everything gets resolved and i don't usually do that because i like like i said i like writing realistic plays i don't believe in fairy tale endings but maybe i think because of like the content of the play or what the play is about i kind of felt like i needed to tie it up and like wrap it up in this like perfect bow of an ending but i don't know i feel like i'm pretty much like maybe 95 percent done with the males de piña even though i've said it no one's really done with a play you're always gonna find like something to update you're always gonna have a new draft because you're always changing shit also next friday um but again in the timeline when you hear this it's it's not going to be that day. But on the 24th of February, there's a quick, well, not a quick, there's a Zoom reading of my 10-minute play, Inside the Turtle Shell. And that play is really, like, 
it's very personal to me. It's a very personal piece. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm excited. I met with like the readers for it on Thursday just to have like a quick intro and just like do a read through of like the piece. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm also gonna get feedback from it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, what else? Oh, I felt like I haven't updated y'all on my dating journey. Uh, it's because I haven't. <laughs> I haven't done any. There has been no dating journey. I hate the apps. I hate hate the apps. Like I just want to meet someone like that. I mesh well with and it's so hard because i love i want to have like a meet cute i don't want it to be forced and i feel like with the apps it's very like forceful i don't know if that makes sense again if you're hearing this and if you know someone that might be good for me uh send them my way hi hi <laughs> i fucking hate myself uh what else uh what else? I think that's it. So I'm, I was thinking of my recommendations corner and I'm like, have I not seen any new movies? I really cannot recall. And I'm getting like super fucking warm. Like, I don't know why my room is fucking warm right now. This is not the vibe. The vibes are not vibing right now. Um, but I don't think I've watched any new movies, TV shows. So I watched, uh, you part one. Um, yeah, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I I know there's going to be a part two released in about a month, so I'm looking forward to that. I like seeing how they wrap up this season. Um, and I read somewhere that the actor that plays Joe Goldberg, or in this season, John Moore, I think that's his name, he like requested not to have sex scenes uh, in the show because he's recently married and he wouldn't want to do that to his wife. And I'm like, okay king but at the same time i feel like it comes from a place of privilege because i don't feel like a uh a women a woman actor or actress could do that same thing like hey by the way i don't want any sex scenes and then be like uh we'll find someone that's down to do fucking sex scenes because we need to sprinkle some shit in there but you know uh okay go off king and i was like i think i saw a tiktok and it was like oh that's very of his like astrological sign find yourself a man with that astrological sign uh and marry them <laughs> so i'm gonna find out what sign that actor is because uh i'm looking for eligible bachelors and then i finished sex lives with college girls i don't know why the fuck i didn't start this sooner i was like i finished watching it and i then i tweeted i was like if i ever go back to school it's only to have more sex fucking education literally <laughs> and then i just remembered people that know me uh listen to the podcast and now i'm embarrassed i'm so sorry i'm so sorry uh, that was not Mariel that said that. It's literally her alter ego. Hi, this is Mariel's alter ego right now. Just <laughs> it was so good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, fucking Bella was so annoying towards the end. So fucking annoying. And yes, I see the arc that she's struggling, but she was being such a fucking cunt. You know who else was being a cunt? What's her name? What's her name? The one that like hops over to her roommate's uh, ex-man girl, girl code, girl code. 
we girls can love the crew. We girls can homie hop, but you don't do that to your girls. Get it? Okay, you can't. You can't hold no. What was it? You just can't break girl code. I feel very passionate about this because if you know, you know, and if you don't, thank God you don't. But yeah, dude, like, and honestly, like, she's getting all the hot man, and I'm like, okay, I see that because sometimes, like, you know, um, you just like hot man. Like, I could get hot man too, you know. And I'm just like, I've gotten men that are hotter than me, and I'm like. Okay, yeah, I see it, I see it. But she's getting all the fucking hot men, and now she's getting that hot man who used to date her roommate. Like, that's so fucked up. But, yes, that's what being in college is. That's betrayal for you. Also, I saw, I think, was it a tweet? Look, I get all of my resources from, like, social media. I saw a tweet that says that if you've experienced, like, some type of betrayal, you have trauma, and I 1,000% agree. A thousand percent agree. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's it for now. Like I oh yeah, I finished the book called uh Blackout, I think. It was good. Was it great? It took me a long time to finish it. So it wasn't as great as the other book. It was good, it was interesting, it didn't really make sense to me, like so basically, it's like this woman starts experiencing blackouts and she notices that other women around her are also experiencing blackouts. And it had to do with like neurotransmitters or whatever. So this scientist or this professor was causing the blackouts. Spoiler alert, but I really don't get the science part behind it because I have literally no fucking clue how he achieved that. But whatever, it's fine. And yeah, it was okay. It was an okay book. I'll give it like a 6 out of 10. Uh, what else? I think that's it. Let's get started with today's episode. All right. Episode six of The Haunting of Bly Manor is called The Jolly Corner. So the episode opens up with Henry Wingrave in his office doing what he knows best, working and drinking. And his secretary or receptionist gets there and tells him that the mail is there and she hands it to him. He looks through the letters and he finds one that is addressed uh, to his brother, Dominic, and he puts it down and he gets up to serve himself some more alcohol, as you do. The the narrator explains how Lord Wingrave preferred his office to his London flat or apartment and how he trapped himself there and engrossed himself in in his workday. And at night, he was still entombed in it until there was no room inside of him inside of him for anything else so he's like until he felt most like himself for better or worse we see that it is now night in his office and the secretary lets him know that miss clayton called and wants to know uh and he wants to know what she's calling about and the secretary explains that danny was just giving an update on the children and henry asks how the children are and she lets him know that danny's a bit concerned about them and how she's happy to elaborate if he will give her a call Henry tells the secretary how there's no need and how he is happy that the children are doing well. And the secretary begins to exit and he tells her to have a good weekend. But I honestly don't think it's Friday because she just seems confused, but she does not correct him and only thanks him before leaving. As soon as Henry's alone, he looks up to his lobby and then he's about to open the card that is addressed to his late brother. And we see a shot of him. And in the background where the lobby is, there's a man standing there. Henry decides uh, not to open the letter and he gets up to make himself another drink. And then we see that the man that was in the entrance is now lingering by Henry's desk and Henry asks 
scotch, or bourbon tonight? Henry grabs the bottle and says, scotch it is. And he makes his way over, uh, where, where, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> and he makes his way over to the lobby right outside his office. And he sits down in one of like the lobby chairs and he serves himself a strong drink. And then the man sits down next to him and it's his doppelganger or no, it's not his doppelganger. It's his alter ego. The other Henry, as I will be calling him, grabs a drink and Henry just that just served himself and takes a drink from it. And then he begins to smile creepily. And then Henry takes that same drink and takes a sip from it. Cut to a flashback of Dominic Wingrave running into the house and Henry is there and he tells him how it is time and how Charlotte is close but not there yet. And he says, thank God for that. Dominic yells out to Charlotte that he is there and he's going on about how Charlotte is early and Henry lets him know that sometimes that happens, but that at least he's there now for the birth of his daughter. So this is when uh, Flora was about to be born. Dominic asks why uh, Charlotte was not taken to the hospital and Henry lets him know that it was faster to have the doctor go there instead. Dominic says how he should have taken her to the hospital since she's early, but Henry argues that the nearest hospital is 42 hours away and how the doctor was only 40 minutes away, so he, like, took a gamble. Dominic asks about Miles, and Henry just lets him know that he is fine and asleep, and Dominic barges in through the door and runs towards Charlotte, who is in bed pushing, and he embraces her and is by her side, and Henry just walks outside the room to give them some privacy. So we're back in present day and Flora wakes up outside by the lake and she seems confused. And then it cuts to Danny bringing Jamie some coffee in the greenhouse. And Jamie mentions how she usually does not see her uh, that early in the morning. Danny is like stammering and she explains that she knows that Jamie starts early on Thursday and how she brought her some coffee. And then Jamie's like, you Yankees and your coffee. <laughs> And she hands her cup to Jamie and she drinks from it, but she politely, like super politely, spits it back into, into the cup. And Danny reveals that she's not the best at coffee either. <laughs> Jamie asks how Danny's week, week has been and she tells her that it's been okay, but how the kids have been a little strange and how everything has been a little strange lately. No Owen, no Jamie, and how Danny see, seems to see less and less of Hannah. Um... I, and then I wrote in my notes, my heart, of course, you're seeing less of her. <laughs> so Danny continues, she just goes out by herself. Sometimes I turn around and she's gone. Yes, Danny, because she is a ghost. Um, And Jamie just lets her know that sometimes people like to be alone. <laughs> but she says this and like kind of like, by the way, sometimes people would like to be alone. Uh, she also asked Danny if she woke up just to bring her coffee and Danny plays it off and says no. And Jamie asked if Danny just waited for her to come back. And Danny lets her know how she knew that she was coming back today, but how there was no particular reason as to why she woke up early to bring her coffee. Jamie asks if the kids are awake, and Danny says that there aren't. And Jamie's putting everything together, and she's like, so you just woke up with the sun, and we're tiptoeing around the kitchen, kitchen making awful coffee by yourself to just come say hi to me at 6 a.m. for no particular reason? And then she ends, it, she ends it with, Poppins, you flirt. <laughs> Danny finally caves and approaches her and lets her know how she does not like the way that they left things the other night. And Jamie asks, how did we leave it? And Danny just tells her that it was wrong. So she wanted to start with something right. So she figured coffee could be the right thing. 
Jamie asks if she's sure because at other times that she thought that she was sure, she has this habit of jumping back as if she saw a scary book and how maybe that's best. And she confesses that she likes her, but she also likes her her life the way it is, nice and boring. Uh, Danny scoffs and tells her how she wouldn't want to disrupt that. And Danny makes a cockney accent like Jamie and says, gotta keep things proper boring, Evan Twee. <laughs> That was so bad. Uh, and also when I hung out with Kelly and uh, her partner, Christina, we both tried to do accents and they were so fucking bad. <laughs> Jamie begins to chuckle and Danny asks if there's a pub in Bly and Jamie lets her know that there is. And Danny asks if she would like to get a drink with her sometime away from the house and away from all this and how they could make it. She could even make it boring for her. Danny says how she could ask Hannah to watch the kids one night and then they can get a boring old drink at the boring old pub and see where that takes them. And Jamie very sexily asks, you do know I live above, above the pub, right? I told you already, didn't I? I've got a flat right above the boring little pub. And then, and then like Danny's intrigued, but she looks out the window and she sees Flora walking outside and then it cuts to Danny running towards Flora and she seems to be in this kind of daze because she's not reacting to her name being called and then Flora, she's like, once Danny gets to her, Flora tells her that she does not feel good. Danny asks how long she's been out there and Flora says how she just woke up and she does not know. And then we see that Rebecca's standing in front of Flora and she reaches over and touches Flora's forehead with her finger. And then it cuts to Flora in bed sleeping. She wakes up and she looks around her room and she sees a child at the foot of her bed and the child hides. Flora asks if it smiles and then she goes over to see who it is. And then the child who is a boy is now standing by her closet and she asks, who are you? And if they, can't you hear me? Flora gets up from bed and goes over to the little boy and she tells him that her name is Flora. But then the boy, so the boy's turned away from her. So she's facing his back. And when he turns towards her, his face has no fucking features similar to the, the girl, the, the lady from the lake. I put girl. <laughs> So Flora is obviously startled and she yells out for her mom. So it's a flashback and she runs all the way to her mom's room and Charlotte opens the door wearing a very fancy like long nightgown, like so beautiful. And Flora lets her know that there's someone in her room, a little boy. Charlotte obviously thinks that it smiles trying to frighten Flora. So she calls out for him uh, and she and Flora lets her mom know that it was not Miles and how it was. But then Flora hears a noise inside her mom's room and she sees her Uncle Henry buttoning up his shirt. Bro, <laughs> a little, a little adult, adultery, a little, uh, como se dice, a little uh, scandal, some cheating. So Flora is confused as to why her uncle is there. And Henry lets her know that she, uh, he slept over last night and he just uh, and, he, and he makes sure to like specify that he slept slept in one of the guest rooms. But he was just saying good morning to her mom just now. Oh, I love those good mornings to TBH. Ah, <laughs> and and. And he like changes the subject and he's like, oh, I heard you say that there was someone in your room. And obviously Flora is a seven year old girl. 
uh so she's not a she is like unaware of what she walked into like her literally her mom and uncle having an affair and she's more concerned with the faceless child in her room as i would be too i mean i live for the drama but that at that age i would be more concerned about the fucking kid without a face that i saw in my room so she grabs her mom's hand and she drags her like back to her room uh, we're in the room now, and Charlotte inspects the room, and she lets her know that there's no one in the closet, but Flora tells her, not now, and she wants her mom to stop saying that there wasn't anyone there. Charlotte agrees that there was, as she, as she checks under the bed, and she asks if there was a little boy there, and Flora says how the little boy was little like her, and Henry jokes about how there's not anyone that is as little as her. Charlotte tells her that if there is a little boy and if she's the only one that can see him, maybe he wants to be her friend. But Flora does not think that that is the reason he was there. And she lets them know that there's something wrong with him and that his face, she's like, she's like, his face is not finished. And how he, and she mentions that he does not even have a mouth. Henry says how maybe that means that he's a good listener and how being a good listener is one of the most important qualities of a friend. And Charlotte agrees and tells, and she tells Flora that maybe she can share some of her stories with the little boy. Flora asks how he can become her friend if he can't tell her his name. And Henry suggests giving him a name and how she could give him the whole backstory. And Henry shares that when he was a little boy living uh, at Bly, he also had a friend uh, uh, that was a soldier. Uh, was this little friend imaginary or was this little friend ghostly? Uh, and he explains how how he was very afraid of him at first until he gave him a story. Flora asks if his friend was happy after he gave him a story and Henry shares that he was. And Flora comes to the decision that she will give the little boy a story and Charlotte calls her her sweet girl. She tugs Flora back in bed and she asks Charlotte uh, when her daddy is coming home from Scotland and Charlotte and Henry exchange a look and Charlotte tells her that he will be coming home very soon. Flora lets them know that it's strange and how she supposes that it's because she's too old now. And Charlotte agrees. And Flora shares that she supposes that she would be littler. And Charlotte tells her that she she should be, in fact, five years old and how she was five years old when that scene happened. So Flora asks why she's not five years old then and how she knows that she's not five and that she's actually eight. And she asks her mom why her age is all wrong. And Uncle, Uncle Henry asks, you know why, don't you? And Flora says, because this is a memory. And Henry agrees. And Flora comes to the conclusion that she was tucked away in another memory and how it has been happening more and more lately. And her mom agrees. And Flora continues that she keeps getting tucked away in one memory or another. And then she starts to realize it and how it will be over now as soon as she... Flora closes her eyes and then she's being woken up by Danny in bed. So Danny tells her that she dozed off and she asks her what happened and Flora lets her know that she does not know as Jamie watches on. Flora apologizes and says how she was having a little bit of a moment and Danny seems distressed as if she does not know what to do but she tells Flora how it's all right and how she and Jamie just want to make sure that Flora is okay. Flora wants to know what they were doing and Danny tells her that they were just talking about Flora's walk last night and how Flora just fainted out of nowhere and Danny asks her if she's okay now, and Flora tells her that she's quite tired and how she would like to go back to sleep, but that she only wants to dream and that she does not want a memory. And she reiterates that she really just wants to sleep this time. And Danny just turns back to stare at Jamie with concern. 
So cut to the secretary knocking at Henry's office and she opens the door to, uh, to let him know that Danny called again saying how Flora has been sleepwalking. Uh, Flora says that, no, Henry says that Flora is all right and the secretary asks, what if she isn't? And Henry lets her know that if she isn't, then why the fuck is Danny calling him and not a doctor? The secretary exits and Henry stares at the envelope with Dominic's name on his desk. And then it cuts to a flashback of Henry calling the Windgrave Manor and Flora answering and answering the phone. And he asks her how she is and if her mother. And then Flora asks, what about my mother? And Henry rephrases himself and says that he wants to know if she has seen that faceless boy again. Flora tells him that she has not seen him yet, and Henry asks if she's working on a story for him. And Flora lets him know that she's trying, but that her daddy says that that little boy is just a special mint. Henry doesn't know what she means by special mint, and Flora explains that her dad says that the boy is a fake mint, and that's all. Henry laughs when he realizes that she meant like figment or fragment of her imagination, and Henry lets and Henry lets. Uh, Flora know that even figments need a story. And Flora tells Henry to tell him himself, and she calls out for her dad to, to let him know that Uncle Henry's on the phone. Henry looks flustered and uncomfortable, and Dominic gets on the phone, and Henry's like, you're back. And Dominic tells him that he just flew in for a bit, but that he will be back in Glasgow for their case tomorrow. Dominic is curious as to why Henry's calling, and Henry makes a lie that he called the hotel and couldn't find him there, so he figured that Charlotte would know if he changed hotels. And Dominic lets him know that he's still at the same hotel, and he asks Henry, what's like, what's up? Like, why, why were you calling? Why did, what did you want to tell me? And Henry just, like, tells him that he answered his own question in the time that they've been talking. And we see Charlotte appear in the background, um, and she sees that Dominic is talking to Henry. And, like, you know, they say their goodbyes or whatever. And as soon as, like, Dominic hangs up the phone, Charlotte walks away as if to pretend that she didn't even stop. But Dominic notices uh, that she was there. So we're back in present day, and we see Henry with the envelope in his hand staring at the letter addressed to his brother. And he reaches over to get a sip of his drink, but it's empty. So he looks at the two bottles in front of him to decide what he will drink. And then we see other Henry is peeking in at him through the door. And Henry says, I don't know where you tr you're trying to hide from. I know he's like, I don't know who you're trying to hide from. Might as well come in. Other Henry appears and he takes a drink from Henry's uh, like glass and says how they decided on the scotch and the bourbon tonight and both in the 1962 bottles. And he asks if they can still afford it after Peter robbed them blind and how that and he mentions how it was most of Miles's like trust fund or money. Henry disagrees that Peter robbed him. Uh, he's like, I, he did rob me, but it was not that much money. And how he already knows that he replaced it all already. And how he doesn't know why he bothers explaining things to him since he knows that. Henry looks at the phone. Another Henry tells, them, he's, tells him that they're probably, she's already asleep by then. And that he would just probably just wake up the staff or the American. And he lets Henry know that the calls are spooking them. So Henry is the one that's calling the house and hanging up. Wow. So other Henry grabs the letter and reads that it's from the Scholarship Society and says how they should know better since they've had years to figure it out. And he tells him that the secretary could handle this and send out a notice of dead um, and, and stop all the mail from coming in without even bothering him about it. 
Henry tells other Henry that he's perfectly capable of doing this himself. And other Henry says how every time Henry has to send out a notice of death, the world, the world where he pretends that his brother is still alive gets a little bit smaller. Henry tells him that he's not pretending a fucking thing. And other Henry tells him to stop stalling and to write out a notice of death. And Henry opens a drawer in his desk and sticks the envelope in there. And we can see that he has other letters in that drawer as well. And other Henry laughs at him. Cut to Danny and Hannah checking in on Flora, who has been sleeping all day. And Danny tells her that they missed her this afternoon. And uh, Danny asks where she ran off to. And Hannah says that she supposes that she was around. And she's like, I can't, I can't really remember this afternoon. Danny tells her that if Flora is still like this tomorrow, she's going to call a doctor. And she shares with Hannah that she called Henry, but how he did not call back. And she explains that she does not understand how he could act like that since the children are his only family left. And Hannah tells Danny that Henry has not been himself for a long time. And she supposes that when Dominic and Charlotte went to the trip that and they didn't come back, Henry did not come back from it either. Hannah answered with, all three of them just gone. And then she's like, they stare at Flora for a little bit longer. And she asks Danny if she's coming down. And Danny lets her know that in a bit. And Hannah exits. And Danny goes over to tuck in Flora. And when she's walking to exit the room, she pauses. And we, the viewers, can see that the little faceless boy is playing with the dolls inside Flora's dollhouse. But when Danny turns around to see if there's someone there, he is gone. Danny exits, and we're now in the kitchen with Hannah and Owen, and Owen is telling Hannah that they can go this weekend and see Patrick Swayze in concert, and Danny, like, walks in, and she's surprised to see, see him still there. Owen says uh, how he needed to wash up and how he was asked to stay behind, and Danny playfully asks who would ask him to do that, and Hannah and Owen stare at each other, and then Danny, um, and Danny smiles. Danny's about to make herself some tea, and Jamie walks in and tells her not to touch that since so she will desecrate it. And Danny is also surprised to see Jamie there since she thought she let, had left a while ago. And Jamie says that she made it halfway there, but then she remembered that it had been a rough day, and she thought that Danny might like a drink. And she asks if she's down to go, and Danny is hesitant because of Flora's state, but Jamie lets her know that she got things taken care of, and Hannah chimes in that she has got it handled from there and she lets them know to go and enjoy themselves. Owen adds that they got things handled, and that if there are any monsters under uh, the kids' beds, uh, that they will be dealt with swiftly and fairly in an impartial court. And Jamie and Danny go out, and Hannah and Owen just smile at each other. We see Jamie and Danny outside walking in the rain and Jamie is holding like a lantern and Danny asks where they're going and if she took her there to kill her and Jamie jokes that if she keeps talking that she just might. Jamie explains to Danny that there's not many secret, secret spots within the grounds this big but how this spot is special to her and she, she shines her flashlight or like her lantern on a beautiful white flower and Jamie explains that it's a moonflower and how it is hard to grow in England. Danny mentions that it's worth it and Jamie asks, is it? And Danny is like, isn't it? And Jamie explains that this flower only blooms two months a year and only at night and how each bud only blooms once and how the flowers will be dead in, by tomorrow morning and how in the spring she will have to look for a new moon flower. 
And Danny says how that is a lot of work for a flower that only blooms once. Jamie says that that is how she how people feel like to her. Exhaustive effort and very little to show for it. And Danny asks all of them. And Jamie says yes. And how even Danny feels like feels like that to her at times. Ouch. <laughs> but Jamie also adds that she even feels like that to herself and how she figured she would save Danny some effort. Danny goes over to sit next to Jamie. And and then this next part, it's a long monologue, so I'll try to read it verbatim. So um, Jamie says, skip to the end, take a shot, why not? So here goes, okay? Mom was Louise, dad was Dennis. Dennis met Louise when she was 18 and he was 24. Total surprise, a year later, later my brother Denny and me, less of a surprise, I guess. Dad starts working on a coal mine, more money, slightly more, but dad is barely home now. And Louise is home with the kids, but she's basically a kid herself. A kid with two kids and 600 meters down, uh, and a husband 600 meters down, and she does what kids do. She plays. So dad's underground and mom's under some bloke. And the thing about coal mine, well, the thing I think about the most now that I'm older, no plants down there no life. See, these men, we send them down into this dark mess, digging for something dead. So that so dead that is now lump of dead things, so old and lifeless that they will literally burn uh and what did I put? Will literally burn. And that that's what life what his life is like. She did whatever she could to feel alive and all that death, that dark powdery death all over his face. His hands his fucking lungs, and we, when he comes up from there. There's not a leaf, a branch, or a flower in his world. And when he finally climbs out of the grave, finally climbs out back to the land of the living, they laugh at him. They laugh because the whole town knows that the new baby, my little brother Mikey, isn't his. So Dennis buries, buries his head in the suit, and they praise him for his loyalty while they mock him behind his back for a cuckold. And Louise, on the other hand, call a spade a spade, and they call my mom a whore. Call the daughter one to bully her at, 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 at the school, and it makes it all the way home. Little Denny Palazon tries to save his own skin by blaming all the females in the family. And in 67, Louise bolts. She splits. And I come home to find Mikey screaming his little head off. And I try to take care of him, but I'm just a kid. Kids can't raise kids. We forget things, like watching over a pot when it boils. So one day, there's an accident, and social services gets involved, and we're split up. Dad did his best. He spent so long underground that when he finally came up, he didn't know what to do with a kid, let alone three kids. So he disappeared into the dirt. And there was foster foster care, just a bunch of stale, perverted men with bitter wives, hoping to make a few a few quid by taking care of the local trash. I left for London pretty quick after that, and I got myself into a little trouble there, wound up serving a couple of years, and it's there that I start gardening. Busy work for idle hands, but I fucking love it, love it, and it's so clear how people how people aren't worth it, but plants, 
You pour your love and your effort and your nourishment into them and you watch them grow and it all makes sense. So yeah, everyone is exhaustive. Even the ones that sometimes once in a blue goddamn moon, I guess. Someone like this moonflower might just be worth the effort. Look, I know you're struggling. I know you're carrying this guilt around, but you don't decide who lives and who doesn't. I'm sorry, Danny, but you don't. Humans are organic. It's a fact. We are meant to die. It's natural, beautiful, and it all breaks down and rises back up and breaks down again. Every living thing grows out of every dying thing. We leave more life behind just to take our place. That life refreshes and recycles, and that is so much better than life getting crushed deep down into the dirt, into a rock that will burn into a rock that is old enough. It's so much better to see the leafling and the flower. We leave so much more life behind to take our place. That is moonflower. It's where its beauty lies, you know, the, immort the immortality of the thing. Danny, and then Danny approaches Jamie and Jamie, and and kisses her and jamie kisses her back also can we talk about the similarities and how parallel this monologue is to the one that riley gives aaron in fucking midnight mass about like returning to the stars and like and like how his ashes will return to the world like Ah, I love finding all these similarities between all of Mike Flanagan's projects. I fucking live for this. So uh, it then cuts to Henry and Charlotte kissing softly. So he's laying like on the couch and she's like on top of him. And they're just like literally like, I don't know. It's the type of like kiss that is like, like so slow and you can sense that there's so much love and like hunger between these two people, but they're just like enjoying it. Like it's just like a really like soft, like slow kiss. Um, and, and Charlotte asks, dear, what are we going to do about this? And Henry responds, I don't know. I truly don't know. And then we see that it's a figment of his imagination because the other Henry appears floating above Henry, like facing him with a fucking smile in his face, that creepy fucking smile. And Henry turns to the side as to not stare at him. We then see a flashback of Peter and Henry bringing in the dollhouse. Uh, so from that the, the current dollhouse that it's in Flora's room and we see that it's Flora's birthday party. And Peter asks if, it, if that's all and Henry lets him know that there's one more piece in the car and Peter just goes outside to grab it. So now we know that Henry is the one that gifted this dollhouse to Flora during one of her birthdays. And Henry is staring at the dollhouse and Charlotte walks in and she's shocked by the similarity of the, of the dollhouse to the manor. And Henry explains that he found someone in Sussex that makes uh, dollhouses and how it is close enough to the real thing. And Charlotte says, oh, she's going to lose her mind. And Henry lets her know that he can't stay for the party, but that he hopes that the gift makes up for it. Um... What, and then Charlotte lets him know that Flora's turning six and how she only cares about gifts. And both Henry and Charlotte are standing close as they like look at the dollhouse. And Henry and Charlotte's hands are so close to each other that their pinkies slightly touch. And Charlotte whispers, not here. 
Henry gets the hint and asks Charlotte if they can put the dollhouse in the study for now to hide it till the party. And Henry notices that Dominic is staring at them from the top of the stairs. And when Charlotte notices, she puts like she puts more space between herself and Henry. And she tells Dominic to look at the gift that Henry brought uh, for Flora. And Dominic's still at the top of the stairs. And with a very serious manner, he says, it's terrific. Henry tells his brother how he's sorry that he can't make the birthday party and how he will call him when he gets to Berlin. And in the same manner as the line before, Dominic says, sounds perfect. Henry exits to the front door and Charlotte looks up at her husband and before she awkwardly walks away and she leaves him standing there and he also walks back upstairs. So cut to Charlotte walking down the stairs at night and she walks into the kitchen and she's startled to see Dominic sitting in the table by himself with the lights off. Charlotte asks what he's doing there in the dark and she lets him know. Uh, she's like, oh, I just wanted something small before going to sleep. And she opens the fridge and says how all those extra children in the morning, uh, it's going to be like hectic and she, she will need all the energy she can. And she tells her husband that he should get some rest as well. And she asks if he's coming to bed and she just and he just glares at her. Dominic says, Flora's birthday got me thinking what a strange night it was. Charlotte is like, was it? I don't remember much from that night, miracle of childbirth. And she explains that it's actually because of a chemical in the brain released during childbirth that makes it hard to uh, hard to remember. And she's like, it's the only way we would ever have another one. <laughs> Dominic says she was so early. And Charlotte agrees that she was. And Dominic continues. And I was so surprised that for a baby that early, she wasn't nearly as small as I expected. Charlotte like slowly goes over to sit in front of her husband and Dominic asked, math didn't work, did it? And Charlotte says that she doesn't know what he mean means and Dominic explains that if she wasn't early and if she was actually right on time, she had to be early or the math wouldn't work because that would mean that Flora was conceived in August while he was in Russia. And he says that it took him six years to do that math and how he supposes that he didn't really want to. Dominic says how he was gone an awful lot and how it must have been lonely, a house this size, and it was just her and Miles. And Charlotte is crying now and Dominic asks if she loves him. And Charlotte just stares at him and reaches over and then they both begin to cry. Cut to Danny and Jamie waking up together and the narrator says how the au pair could not remember the last time she had slept this well and how perhaps she never had before. Danny looks at Jamie's back and sees a scar, like, like a burn scar, and she looks at herself in the mirror and there's no man with glowing eyes anymore. And she's getting dressed and she looks outside the window and she sees Flora standing outside we see Danny running towards her and she asks what she's doing and Flora asks where she is. And Danny, uh, she's like, are you sleepwalking again? And Flora tells her that she does not know and how she thinks that she was tucked away again. Danny tells Flora to come inside and Flora asks Danny why this keeps happening to her. And Flora looks to her side and we see that Rebecca is there and she touches Flora. And then Flora closes her eyes and when she opens them back up, she's like a different person, calm, collected. And she tells Danny that she's terribly sorry for the trouble and how she was just going on a walk and how she did not want to alarm her and how they should go grab some breakfast and she's 
positively famished. Rebecca went inside Flora to stop her from freaking out, y'all. Fuck. Flora begins to walk back into the house, and Danny's just confused, and she, like, walks after her. So cut to the secretary walking into Henry's office and he's asleep sitting down and she makes a noise like she's like <clears throat> to get his <laughs> to get him to wake up. And she explains that Danny called again and Henry asks if anyone is hurt or if they need an ambulance. And she explains that it is not that simple. And Henry yells out, Jesus, I told you I'm unavailable unless someone is hurt. And then the secretary just walks out. Henry yells out, God damn it. And then he gets up and it's like, fine, get her back on the phone. And when he opens the door to his office, he's in a flashback. And there are men packing up boxes and Dominic is there. And Henry asks what is happening. And Dominic lets him know, you can keep the office. Dominic goes on about how fucking stupid he might have thought of him. And Henry's like taken aback. And Dominic explains that babies rarely stick to a schedule. And he's like, but listen. This is the important part. She is my daughter in all the ways that matter. When she skins her knee or has a nightmare, she calls out for me. First time some asshole breaks her heart, I will be there to console her. And when she asks her father to walk her down the aisle, it will be me and not you. Do you understand me? Dominic realizes that Henry did not know. And, and he's like, she didn't tell you? Huh. Well, look at that. I get to be here when the other penny drops. I've been thinking about the right word, what the right word must mean. And I keep getting stuck on banished. It's close. It has teeth, but not nearly enough. But it will do for now. You're banished, little brother. You're banished from my house. You're banished from my wife, my children, banished. You don't have a brother anymore or a niece or a nephew just yourself and yourself henry is an evil shit grotesque little demon isn't he and i pity you because you have to live with him because you have to live with yourself and he is a shit greening fucking monster isn't he bro bro now we know why there's an other henry now we know why there's an alter ego it's his guilty fucking conscience so it cuts to Flora asking her mother how far away India is. So is it a flashback? Is it a memory? Who knows? And Charlotte responds that it's further than I'll miss you, but closer than goodbye. Oh, that's so sweet. Charlotte tells her daughter not to worry and how she will be back in a couple of weeks. And Flora asks if she can go with them since a couple of weeks is a terribly long time. And how she does not want to be here all alone with Miles and Mrs. Gross. Charlotte goes over to her drawer and she opens it and it's a talisman. Uh, so it's like the talisman that um, Danny had found when she first saw Peter by like the, what the, by the fucking, what is it called? It doesn't matter. So when she found that tel uh, the talisman, um, where am I? So, and uh, Charlotte uh, tells Flora that she's been making them for a long time. And when Flora asks what they do, Charlotte tells her that they protect people and keep them happy. Flora takes the talisman and then asks her mother if it's happening again. And Charlotte asks what? And Flora says, I'm not really here. I'm too old. It's like the math doesn't work. Tucked away in another memory. And Charlotte says, tucked away safe. And Flora says, I miss you, mommy. 
and Charlotte tells her daughter that she should probably wake up now. And then we see Flora waking up from bed and we see her go down the stairs to the kitchen. And when she gets there, she sees that everyone is sitting around the dinner table. So Owen, Hannah, Jamie, Danny, and Miles, and she's upset that they're eating dinner without her. Miles tells Flora how she literally just ate in her room and Owen chimes in that that soup he made was like the best soup that he's ever made and Flora is upset because she does not remember. Flora yells out that she does not like this game and Danny goes towards her but then the phone rings and it's Henry but he does not say anything and like Danny answers and she's like another fucking prank call and then other Henry asks do you really think she'll answer one and one of these times? It's getting sad and how one out of the 10 times she might answer and say Flora's residence, but that it's very unlikely. Henry is calling to hear his daughter's voice, bro. <laughs> Other Henry says that they think that the prank caller is a pervert, but breathing into the phone and then there's a knock at his office door and Other Henry tells him that it's probably not real, but that he should still answer the door anyway. Henry goes up and opens the door and it's a flashback to Charlotte getting there and she apologizes for coming by and she makes an excuse that she was nearby but then she takes it back and says how she made up that story so, and how she does not have long. She walks into Henry's office and she asks uh, what he was doing in there and Henry says how he does not know and Charlotte tells her that she's sorry. Henry asks, Flora? And Charlotte says how she should have told him and how she should have done a lot of things differently. She tells Henry that they're leaving tonight for India and how her and Dominic are retracing their honeymoon and that she wanted to stop by and say goodbye. She tells Henry that she means it and that she's going to try to make things work with her husband. Charlotte, girly pop, you cheated on your husband with his brother. You're not going to make things work, just an FYI. <laughs> So Charlotte continues that she needed him to hear it from her because she thinks that she can fix it, but that she couldn't leave without. Henry takes her by the hands and tells her that he loves her. And Charlotte says that she knows, but that there's so much more to life than love. Charlotte kisses Henry and she walks out with tears in her eyes and she turns around to get one more look at him. Cut to Henry walking out of his office and he stares out the window and there's a very light bright and then other Henry appears and says, jumping ahead of you please, to my favorite part. And Henry begs him not to and other Henry tells him that that hurts his feelings and he explains that he wants to see it again, the night they met. Henry does not want to see that and then the phone rings in his office and other Henry tells him to answer it. And Henry says no, that he does not want to. Another Henry says how he always does and that he already knows who it is, the British consulate in India. And Henry is pleading with him not to make him answer. Another Henry tells him how the consulate has terrible news and how there has been an accident. And other Henry starts to smile creepily, creepily. And he looks at the fucking camera and it's so disturbing. Henry gives in and he goes and answers the phone and we get a flashback about when he found out about his brother and the love of his life, his sister-in-law dying. And at first, Henry doesn't believe what he is being told. 
and he drops the phone and he begins to have a panic attack. And then other Henry appears behind him smiling. And when he turns around, Henry begins to scream another Henry and he falls to the ground. Another Henry reaches over his hand to pick Henry up from the floor. And we're back in present day. And other Henry says, see, that wasn't so bad, wasn't it? Henry tells him how it was hell and how it is always hell. And Henry disagrees because not even arranging their funerals and not even burying those empty coffins was as bad compared to Henry having to call blind and having to break the news and having Flora's voice be the first voice he heard when she picked up the phone. Her little voice saying, and it cuts to Flora asleep in the bed and she says, Flora's residence in her sleep. Wow, Mwah. transition, chef kiss. Danny closes the door to Flora's room and Jamie comments on how Flora has been having a hard time sleep talking and sleepwalking. And Danny agrees and says how she does not know what to do and how she thinks she's going to take her to the doctor in the morning. But Jamie lets her know what Flora needs as a psychologist. And she shares that they had mandated therapy when she was in jail and how at first she hated it and how she didn't think it was going to do anything but her heart therapist was relentless so she started talking to shut her up and after a month she realized that she was sleeping through the night danny tells her that she she's probably right and jamie lets her know how she's going to go and danny's disappointed but jamie points out that she should at least change her clothes and danny laughs when she realizes that she's wearing the same clothes as like the previous day because she slept over Danny also tells her uh, that she should come back later tonight. And Jamie's like, I don't know. It seems like you got your hands full. And Danny tells her that she's going to be up all night checking up on Flora anyway. And Jamie smiles and tells her good night. And she mentions how she there will be other nights. And Danny asks, you promise? Danny and Jamie kiss and Jamie promises it to Danny. Back in Henry's office, Henry's like, fuck it. And then he grabs the phone and when he calls the phone, and when he calls Bly Manor, the phone is disconnected and he tries it again, but the call is not going through. He gets up and he gets his coat. Another Henry asks what he is doing and Henry lets him know that he's going to Bly. And other Henry calls it insane because it is a three hour drive and how he has been drinking for the past three years. <laughs> I fucking love that line. Other Henry also lets him know that there's no point and how the nanny has gotten and how Henry couldn't possibly do anything about it anyway. And Henry says how he has a terrible feeling and how he has not had a terrible feeling like that since. Another Henry says, so you go to Bly then and they'll be happy to see you. And then you can tell those kids to their faces exactly how their parents died. And you can tell them why they were taking that trip on the first place. And Henry just grabs his things and walks out of there. So we see Flora turn to the other side of her bed and we also see like while well, she's asleep so she just like turns and we see that uh, the faceless boy is like moving Flora's doll inside the dollhouse so he like shifted her over to turn in bed so that's like exactly what Flora did. So we can see that there's like power within what's happening in the dollhouse. Um, so Flora wakes up and sees a little boy and she calls out to him, but he runs away and he runs all the way down to the cellar and she like runs after him. And then she finds him trying to camouflage against the other creepy dolls. Flora apologizes for being scared of him before and how, messed up, how that must have been very rude of her, but that she thought that she would give him a story. 
and she tells him that she's so sorry about his face. And then she finds a doll with a cracked face and she takes like the doll face from that other doll and she puts the cracked face over the little boy. And then she's like, let's come up with a story just for you. And then she takes a second and then she asks the boy if she has done it again and he nods his head. And Flora realizes that she's tucked away in another memory because she remembers that when this actually happened, she was only five years old. And she asks, why? Why do you keep doing this to me? Why do you keep pushing me aside, Miss Jessel? And then Flora wakes up in her bed and she says, come on now, no more. I don't like this game. Stop hiding from me. I want to talk to you. And then it cuts to Miss Jessel sitting in Flora's bed and Flora's telling her how she's very cross with her. And Rebecca's like, but why? Everything is just fine. It's perfectly. Flora tells her that it is not and how she's tired of being tucked away and how she's tired of not remembering and acting strange and how she's tired of Miles also acting strange. And Rebecca asks what the matter with Miles is and Flora tells her that Miles is perfectly splendid except when he isn't and Rebecca's confused and Flora clarifies that when he isn't Miles. Rebecca disappears but Flora tells her not to do that and to come back and for her to let her see her and then she does and Flora asks what are you doing to me and then Danny opens the door and she sees Rebecca sitting in Flora's bed. Danny is clearly shaken because she's seeing a fucking dead person and she motions to Flora to come to her and Flora explains that it's only Miss Jessel and once Flora is outside of the room Danny yells out for Miles but when she looks at the hallway Peter fucking Quint is standing there and he says well this is awkward and Rebecca appears behind them and she puts her arm on Flora's shoulder and both Peter and Rebecca disappear and then Flora runs off and Danny runs off after her as she calls her name. Danny makes it to the attic and she's looking for Flora and Flora's standing in the middle of the room and she says I'm sorry as Miles comes from behind Danny and smacks her in the head. End of episode. <laughs> All right, fucked up fam. Let's get started with our segment, starting with that shit's traumatizing. Okay, just picture this, picture this, picture this. You're like a five-year-old girl, right? You're just vibing, you're asleep in bed, and then you wake up and you see like the back of a little kid and you're like, oh, who is that? Well, like a new little friend. <laughs> and then they turn around and they have no fucking face again again the motherfucking trauma i could not i literally cannot deal <laughs> poor little flora but like obviously later they become little little friends or whatever but still just like the shock alone of like seeing that and i feel like how do i describe it because i feel like that's flora's first encounter with like the supernatural like like meeting that boy so i feel like that was probably like a huge event in her life uh another thing that's traumatizing finding out about the affair and i'm seeing it from like flora's perspective because as a little girl i feel like obviously she doesn't connect two and two together because she is pure and her mind is pure and she hasn't been touched by the dirty dirty mind and like, obviously, she's a child. She doesn't know what that means when, like, two adults are together and then one's, like, 
buttoning buttoning up his shirt or whatever. But imagine, just imagine, you're an adult now, right? So you experience that experience that as a child, and now you're an adult, and you're just like having a normal, beautifully normal, pleasant day, and then boom, that shit hits you. That the realization that your mom and your uncle were fucking hits you in the middle of a normal day years later. I think that's happened to me where I'm like, not with like an affair, obviously, but things that happened to me as a child or like experiences that I had that I could not understand. And then as an adult, I was like, oh, my God. That like. You know, it's just things that you would realize as an adult, but not a child. Also, just affairs are uh, are messy. Affairs are so fucking messy. But I want to get more, like, I want to, like, talk more about that. But I have more stuff in my list. I think this is traumatizing. Just the fact that Henry is so, what's the word, like, he like every time that Danny is calling, he's like his secretary is like getting more anxious, like more worried. And he's like, well, what the fuck? Like call the doctor or call an ambulance if it's like a huge deal. Like, why the fuck do I have to go? And then the fact that we've seen it before the uh, Miles was like, oh, was that my uncle? And then Danny's like, oh, he cares about you so much. And he's like, no, he doesn't. He never visits or like so it's like the trauma again these children are gonna be so fucking traumatized (laughs) but him just like not really caring especially flora's out here sleepwalking there's obviously something wrong with her and fucking danny is losing her mind because she doesn't know how to fix it and this man can't be fucking bothered because he's locked in his office drinking away his life like literally drinking away his existence we later find out that it's because of guilt but still like at the end of the day yes that might be your daughter and yes you should care and even if she wasn't your daughter and she was just your fucking niece you should still fucking care henry please henry like i know that you also went through a loss and a trauma but you gotta do better dude like sir you're a grown man get it the fuck together you're oh my god i'm choking You're literally these children's legal guardians. And that just doesn't mean that you provide to them financially, even though a lot of people do think that way. Like, as long as they're provided for, that's all that matters. You got to provide for them in, like, an emotional way and, 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 like, being physically present. So, in conclusion, Henry, do fucking better. I really like this episode because we get to, like get background on jamie and her upbringing and that is so fucking sad like her upbringing is so fucking sad that's what happens when people get married too young like imagine an 18 year old and a 24 year old getting married obviously like what she said like you know my dad went down to work and my mom was still a child so she played like obviously what else like that's too many responsibilities for an like what like maybe at that point she was already 20 but still like my respects for 
women that or like people that just have children that young and like hold it together but i don't think i would have no i probably would have i probably would have because i if i set my mind to something i'll accomplish it but still that's so much fucking responsibility i would have probably had like fucking like i would have probably gone insane if i was ever in that position so obviously you know so like a distant mother because your mother is trying to live her own life and she's still trying to race you but then it gets too overwhelming and then she leaves and then your father is sad and miserable and then everyone knew that like the whole town knew that your mother was cheating on your dad so there's like that stigma like oh like look at that poor fellow like he's breaking his back going to work every single day for a woman that doesn't love him and now he's gonna race that that son as his even though everyone knows that it isn't and since the mom is such a fucking whore then that probably means that the daughter's a whore too what oh i hate small like town mentalities and i come from a small town and i feel that's why i always say that it's super important to get the fuck out of there like even if you come back because look I have a lot of love for like the place that I came from, but I also know that there's a lot of things that could be done differently and could be done better. But the mentality of some of the people living there is what's holding them back. So as as long as you leave and you get out and see the real world and then you come back with like a more developed brain and like uh, more cultured and how like the the rest of the world does things, I think that helps like make the town prosper. So in conclusion, just get the fuck out. And if you want to come back, that's totally fine. But um, Jamie, like, the, and then that she she got in some trouble. She did some, she did some years in jail. But then that helped her because she started gardening. Like she found her like passion, which is plants. And then it helped her like emotionally too because she she got into therapy and it was like mandated. But then she realized that it does fucking help and. Oh, Jamie is such a complex fucking character. I adore her so much. And the fact that she's like, yeah, like I like my boring life and I would prefer like I people are so complicated and plants aren't because I know that if I show up for a plant, the plant is going to show up for me and I can't trust people to do the same. Oh, I adore Jamie uh oh my god this next one dude i i have thoughts (laughs) all right so not a car just like driving by and revving its engine like shut the fuck up bro like you have a small cock uh but besides the point sorry about that very rude interruption uh dominic finding out that his wife and his brother are having an affair and not only that that flora his daughter is not actually his but his own brother but his own brother like that's henry's daughter the fucking the fucking betrayal and it's so funny that you know at in the intro for this episode i was talking about like Uh, like girl code and like betrayal it all tied up nicely but like the betrayal of your trust 
especially because it's it's a family member, bro. Like you would expect your family especially your brother to be like a ride or die and to respect you and to respect your marriage and at the end of the day just finding this out and the fact that he didn't even catch him like it was so noticeable like he could probably feel the sexual tension between them like he didn't even have to try so hard to get like charlotte to like tell him the truth like he just like i feel like in the back of his mind he knew it because of the birth of when the birth happened and because flora was did not look premature probably she looked like a perfectly like formed child at birth so it was probably always in the back of his mind but i wonder what triggered it though because it was Flora's sixth birthday. That affair had been going on for over six years, and we don't know when it started. So I I don't think they tell us what triggered it. I think that Dominic just grew tired of, like, putting up a front, a front and, and, like, believing that, his wife that flora was his and that his wife loved him he was just like tired of like making up this scenario in his head when he knew the truth and he was just tired of putting up this act that everything was perfect when in reality he was probably falling apart i don't know did the phone trigger like the phone call trigger it when like henry called and he was talking to flora and then he was like oh let me talk to your mom and she's like my mom's not here but here's my dad i wonder if it was that but i i feel like it's not big enough you know i don't i i don't know what it is and obviously we're not gonna find out i'm letting you know that right now we're not finding out fucked up them but dude a brother doing that to a brother Look, men are pigs. We, we've been knowing. We've been knowing. Man would literally steal away, like, I don't know. It's so complicated. I'm such a fucking Libra. I'm trying to play devil's advocate, like, but no, no, no. I'm not going to play devil's advocate. I'm not going to be a Libra about this. Yes, did Charlotte love Henry? We could tell that. We could tell that, especially in that scene when they're, like, softly kissing. And I think it's a memory. I'm not sure. Because then we see that the other Henry's there, like, comes out. But, yes, Henry, I mean, Charlotte did love Henry. But I'm pretty sure Charlotte also loved Dominic. I think it's so much more complicated than cheating in a relationship. I think I've talked about this before, but monogamy as a concept for me is so antiquated. But that's another story. But I don't know. Sometimes you just sometimes you just need someone to be there. And whoever that person is that is there is who you're going to show your love and affection to. Like, I'm sorry. I'm so was that too loud was the truth too fucking loud i feel like that if you cohabitate with someone if you're just spending so much time with a single person 
and your husband's always away and they're always there, it's always going to lead to something. As much respect, as much love as you have for your husband or as much love as you have for your brother, if y'all are intermingling a lot and like basically like raising a child together because Henry was, if Henry was always there, he was always around Miles. You care for this person, you love this person, but then the type of love that was not supposed to be like sexual turns into sexual love. I'm just ranting at this point. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make sense of things. Is fucking your brother's wife good? Obviously not. Obviously not. There's so many other fucking women. Like, ah, this is so complicated. Why am I so stressed? Why the fuck am I so stressed right now? Obviously, they were both in the wrong. Yes, I think, yeah, we can agree on that. They were both in the wrong. Because Charlotte could have just, like, been honest with her husband. Like, you're working a lot. I I need you. I, like, need you to stay home more and be here and be here for me. Like, I need you. And Henry could have just, like, been stronger. Men are so weak. <sighs> Again. Men are evil pigs, and they're so fucking weak. I cannot. I cannot deal. <laughs> also, the end. Fucking Danny walking into Flora's room and just seeing a ghost sitting there, like, all nonchalant about it. Like, oh, like, oh, yeah, we do this all the time. <laughs> And then walking outside and Peter Quint being so fucking sly and so fucking sexy. Like, this is awkward. <laughs> ah, I can't. Like, I know I'm laughing, but imagine it from Danny's perspective. I think it was also kind of like, it was also kind of a, like a relief for Danny because Danny had been seeing Peter Quint like around. Like, this man was making himself known. So just like seeing him and it's just like, confirms that she's not crazy so i think it worked well it didn't work out for her because then she got hit in the back of her head but besides the point irrelevant all right moving right along to that shit's heartwarming danny waking up with the sun like waking up so early to go take jamie some coffee <laughs> that is look if a woman wakes up early for you she loves you i yeah like, if your wife or if your girlfriend or if your partner wakes up to make you lunch or make you coffee before you get to work or, like, just to be there with you, they literally just want to spend some time with you or they, like, want you to be nourished and they want you to be fed. But, like, just Danny is so cute because especially since she's so bad at making like tea and coffee and, like, Jamie tasted it and she, like, politely spits it out. <laughs> but that was so cute and then like her like Danny kind of like letting her know like I I want this and then uh the way that like Jamie put two and two together and she's like oh Poppins you flirt <laughs> so cute and then in that same note Jamie kind of arranging everything so that her, she and Danny could go out and like out and about so like 
her asking Hannah if she could take care of the kids, her asking Owen if he can also stay, and then kind of just, like, telling Danny, like, don't worry, like, I already got everything that we need. So cute. We love a partner that shows initiative to, like, plan a date. We love him. And then, oh, this one, this one, like, my tiny little heart, Henry calling Bly Manor to hear his daughter's voice. <sighs> Yes, is it is it creepy? Is it kind of creepy from like the persons, the people that live in the house, like always getting like calls and no one's on the other end? Yes, absolutely. But the intent behind the calls is super heartwarming. I feel like his guilt is holding him back from actually like talking to his daughter or like just talking to her or Miles, but. I think his intent was just, like, to calm himself down. Like, my daughter is good. Like, if she answers the phone, like, she's fine and she's happy and she's financially, like, taken care of. But then again, like I mentioned earlier, that is not enough. And then Flora, like, befriending the little boy with the with no face and then adding the, the crack doll's face, like, on top of his so he could have a face. That is so cute. I love children. Well, fuck them kids, but, like, not fuck them kids, you know? Like, the kids are cool, but, like, not my kids. <laughs> not my offspring. <laughs> okay, but I think we have got... Oh, wait, 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 wait a second. My Take It With A Grain Of Salt segment is... If you're in a tri in a love triangle with two brothers, girl, get the fuck out of there. Run, girl, run. Or girl, just don't mess don't mess around with the feelings of two brothers. Take it from me. I have personal experience with this. Don't ask me to an elaborate. Please don't ask me. Um the outcome of this, not great. <laughs> not great at all so if you could take anything from this episode is that if you ever start feeling attracted to your significant others like sibling just be like snap the fuck out of it first of all snap the fuck out of it and if it, it gets too strong that should tell you something that maybe your significant other is not the right person for you but you end that relationship first and i'm sorry it, you can't be with their brother like i'm sorry <laughs> but okay we have gotten to the end of the episode thank you so much for listening you already know the drill follow the podcast on social media on instagram where that show f me up on Twitter, where that DAT show fucked me up, fucked is spelled without a U, so F C K E D. Give the podcast a five star review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It helps with visibility, it helps other uh, listeners find the podcast, and then it also helps more people join the shared psychosis. Look, the shared psychosis is a fun place to be at, it's a fun state of mind. Why shouldn't we have more people join? They obviously would love it. But yes, again, thank you so much for listening. And you already know the drill. Remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.